arms across the land. Eagles in our hands, the upper hand. A podcast will kill this wicked blight. A mighty guild of geeks arise. world will you choose? I just want to create beautiful airplanes. Like that? Very graceful. I have a long way to go. I don't even have an engine or a cockpit yet. Hello and welcome to Culture Zoo 26. I'm Levi. And I'm Roslyn. Well, it's been a while, Roslyn. Yeah. Well, you've been really busy. I have been. I was in Poland, which was fun. Looks like we're going to be uh, in Poland for the first three months of 2017. You know. Poland, the the jewel of Europe. Well, I, it, <laughs> it sounds really cool. Yeah. I would take anywhere in Europe. Yeah, I know. Poland in the winter is going to be interesting. It's going to be cold, right. yeah. but it's going to be pretty. Will but, it be pretty or will it just be like gray and frozen the whole time? Um, it's pretty still. Yeah. And you'll be in a city, so yeah. it's not like, you know. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. Yeah, so we're excited about that, but that's why our podcast is super late. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are doing it. So... Just a few things before we dive into the final summer, quote unquote, of Miyazaki episode. It's now Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the Christmas of Miyazaki. It's a very Miyazaki Christmas. Um, so a couple things coming up. Um, it's that time of year now, which is Star Wars time. Or it is. It's kind of coming up. So I think to celebrate Rogue One, we will be doing the final chapter in our prequel trilogy, bringing back uh, Zach. Uh, Glenn to uh, help us mm. uh, conquer Revenge of the Sith. Which I'm excited about because I have not seen f- for years. Oh, really? And I feel like is probably the best one. But I, would I will say have to compare. There are good parts to yeah. Revenge of the Sith. I don't think it's a good movie. <laughs> I think I'm there are. Go it's, that a, far. It's, it's a movie that has good parts. I'd say it's about 50% a good movie. Hmm. But I mean, that's not a good movie. Like, if you saw any other movie and by was far like fifty percent good, you'd be yeah. like, it was a bad movie. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. We're going by prequel standards here, so I think it it definitely pretty, pretty is low standards. Yeah, they're pretty low standards. But so, I'm would you say it's the best out of the three, or was still first? I would say it's by far the best, okay. the most competent out of the three. Um, I'd say. Phantom Menace is ba- bad in such a strangely bland right. sort of way right. that it's almost kind of like charming. it's not it's not offensive, you know, offensively bad. I almost feel like it's charming in a weird way. In a weird sort of way, <laughs> yeah. I think Attack of the Clones is offensively bad. Offensively bad. Like it's just uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. Which I'm really enjoying the Star Wars Minute podcast. Yeah. On Attack of the Clones. But it is funny just how much like how poorly thought through that movie is. Yeah. It's gonna just, be interesting, yeah. like 
I almost feel like going through minute by minute, you miss some of the flaws because yeah. it's like, if you look back and just think you don't about realize how off the pacing is right, and like, just think about like the overall plot. You're like, that makes no sense. Like overall, yeah. like all, like the way they get to that last paddle planet <laughs> is so weird. It's so poorly thought yeah. through. Clearly written last It's like they minute. did it as they went along, which <laughs> yeah. they actually did. Yeah. So, <laughs> And I think, I think Phantom Menace, I mean, the Revenge of the Sith has has moments of equally offensive badness, mm-hmm. but it also has moments I think are pretty good. Yeah. So I think so we'll Obi Wan is the best in the last one. I think Anakin's the best in the last one too. Yeah. But he also has some really bad moments. Yeah. So oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Then um, I also mm-hmm. wanted to mention I I was thinking of posting this on Facebook, but I didn't really want to um, post it on Facebook because I don't post. I don't like to post on Facebook anymore. Why not? I don't why? know it's such why. a pleasant environment. I know exactly, but I saw something. Uh, NBC's Emerald City, oh. um, the trailer for the gritty reboot of Wizard of Oz. Interesting. It looks so horrible. It, it made me want to like kill myself. Really? How much I hated this trailer. Oh, exciting! I am so sick of gritty reboots. <laughs> It's like, it's almost a parody of a gritty reboot um, that I just am like, is it it's so going to be a show or a miniseries or I think, yeah. Um, I don't know what it is. I think it's kind of like Game of Thrones meets uh, Wizard of Oz. Kind of like Hunger Games-y. The yeah. girl looks like a Katniss on the okay. trailer there. Okay. Here's the, here's the headline. Hold on to your dog collar, Toto, because we're definitely not in Kansas anymore, oh. which is like, you know. It sounds like a parody. It sounds like a parody. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, um, yeah, it's, this whole thing, it cracks me up because if you look, we were just talking about this before the show started, but, um, you know, the generation that created Wizard of Oz also saw concentration camps, mm-hmm. got drafted into World War II, saw millions of people die, lived through one of the, like, almost world ending events, you know, that's just astonishing. We can't even fathom it. Yeah. And yet they managed to make happy, wonderful stories that um, yeah. are timeless. And we have, you know, mm. our Wi-Fi goes out and that's the biggest crisis we have. Right. And we make these stupid, dark hmm. things that take themselves so seriously. I just hate it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. How obsessed, anyway. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just so sick of the gritty reboot. So anyway, so Google, um, look up YouTube, Emerald City, and just um, see if you hated it as much as I did. Mm, excited. Anyway, so that was just the other thing to call out. Okay. Final thing, maybe uh, Rogue One is coming out. Yeah. Soon. I'd say I'm really not that excited for it. I know. Enough. I'm yeah. kind of like, don't even watch the trailers as they come down my feet. I feel like it like... looks really cool, and the dialogue sounds horrible. Uh-oh. Yeah. Which we've all, well... I mean, but it looks I mean, cool in a way you know, that, like, it's, like, very, like, the director has done some really interesting cinematography. And I like how much they're bringing back the old, like, everything yeah. looks like the old Star Wars. Obviously, it's the exact same stuff yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, but, I, I mean, the like, old Star Wars didn't have great dialogue either. It no, was the charisma that the actors had. That's true. Had. I mean, you can't judge a lot from the trailer, but it just, like, the dialogue was just, like, really, like, oof. Yeah, there was just some some parts that I was like, that came across weird. Well, I think, like, what it comes down to is, we've talked about Star Wars a lot, but, like, okay. you can't recreate what it was. Because, no. to me, like, there was a feeling that it was so new. Like, I think, for me, the Star Wars of my life is sort of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm, yeah. Where, like... 
you know, the Hobbit didn't do it. Like you can never bring it, yeah. back that like mind blowing. And it was mind blowing for everyone. Like, mm-hmm. you know, Peter Jackson just sort of like blew everyone's yeah. mind. And also yeah. the time it came out, yeah. you know, you were a different person. So I think uh-huh. like Star Wars is going to be hard to make yeah. that. I felt like The Force thing. Awakens was great, though. Was I really good. enjoyed The Force Awakens. But, yeah. but yeah, It was. It had a it lot was, of heart. Yeah, it was a good movie. Like, if I saw that, I would have really enjoyed it as a movie. As a movie. But I think, like, what... You can't ever recreate you can't go a back. nostalgia, yeah. you yeah. know, and and emotion and emotional connection to an era, yeah. almost. So, yeah. like, making it look really 70s isn't going to make it yes. the old Star Wars. This is true. Because everybody true. is... 60 now that yeah. saw those movies for the first time. Isn't that weird? Yeah. 50, 60, you know, so. Yep. Anyway, so, yeah, so that, that, that'll that be coming out. Maybe we'll yeah, do a little fun. commentary. I feel like we review. missed a lot of stuff, though, because what else came out in between? I was like, oh, we have to. Oh, Doctor Strange. I saw Doctor Strange. Okay, yeah, you saw yeah. Doctor Strange. Oh, Fantastic Beasts. Did you go it. see it? No, did you see it? I saw it, Did yeah. you like it? You know, I liked it as much as any other Harry Potter movie, yeah. which is not that much. Huh. Um, well, I have a lot of thoughts about Harry Potter. Okay. We need to have like a, Harry Potter, a Harry Potter podcast, podcast. because yeah. I have a lot of feelings and yeah. our cousin, strong opinions. Our cousin Walker pitched me a Harry Potter um, TV show parody that he wants a to write. Parody or real sh- like... A spoof okay. like um, on Harry Potter, basically... Where it's basically Hogwarts, but the chosen one gets put in the wrong house. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, man, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't be saying this mm. on, on the air. Mm. But anyway, that's all good, but it sounded okay. pretty awesome. So okay. I was like, I could, I'm de- like, this is a, a, a gold mine of ideas. Like, how is no one really. Well, like, J.K. Rowling up? would ever let you use any of yeah. her copyright. It would, like, no, it would have to be like clearly, like, loosely right. referencing it. Right. But, yeah. They're in like a magical school. I do feel like, though, I think with like both the Star Wars and the Harry Potter franchise, they need to they need to move beyond the original stuff. Like, well, we that's like, what I think Fantastic Beasts is trying to do. I think so too. But it looked is directed by the same guy. Yeah, it is. It would be cool if they like it, like change the visual look a little bit. I don't mm-hmm. know. I don't know if it does it at all. But it looked like it looks very like, similar. It kind feels of darkly a lot like filmed. the last Harry Potter yeah. movie because it's um, kind of. Yeah, I mean, like I say, it was as it was yeah. as good as any other Harry Potter movie, which isn't great. Yeah. So. And I would I would say that for for the Star Wars franchise, um, you know, um, Kathleen Kennedy, if you're listening, which I'm sure you are, she is. You got to move sure. beyond the Death Star. Like, right. well, you know, but does Star Wars ever move beyond a Death Star? The best one did. <laughs> Empire Strikes Back had nothing to do with the Death, no Star, Death Star. And it was the best. It's kind of like Harry Potter. Like the best one doesn't have Voldemort. <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> exactly. You got to move beyond this whole like mm-hmm. like. There's only so one much. Trick pony. We can only go back to the Death Star so much. It gets it gets Apparently silly. Apparently not. That. You know, it's a Death Star. <laughs> the next time the the super star killer no, base it's, star. I'm a <laughs> it just takes up the whole galaxy. Like that'd be the plot. It's like everyone's inside yeah. of Star. This Life new base. Is a death star. The universe is a Death Star, <laughs> and we've just never realized it. <laughs> it's gonna go around killing other universes. <laughs> they don't stop it. Anyway, okay. So we are not talking about Star Wars or anything like that. We are nope. talking. We are wrapping up the summer of Miyazaki with the wind, wind rises. rises. 
Yes. So, um, The Wind Rises came out, what, 2013? Is that right? 2013, yeah. 2013, um, and which like what like a good five years after Ponyo yeah he had a big break I think yeah. he's older and kind of yeah slowed down yeah slowed down Did, really interesting documentary on the making of The Wind Rises oh, it's okay. like the I last Ghibli film um, it really gets into their whole process and it's very fascinating to see like you know Miyazaki animating it so if if uh, oh gosh I forgot what the documentary's called um, I saw an interview with him like about Kingdom it Kingdom of Dreams and Madness or something that like that on YouTube yeah, it's really fascinating huh. just to get inside like the whole Ghibli studio thing during this process and to see like how he does a scene. It's hmm. so, so cool. Hmm. Um, does but, he draw first or is it dialogue first or like is it kind of he, it's It's, he's, he actually, like the ending of this film, he just, he animated it. Like, like as he went. It was different than the storyboards even. Wow. Like, yeah, like as he went, he like sketched it out and was like, that's the ending. Like... So. <laughs> I, I have to say, like, over our summer of Miyazaki, yeah. I have just, like, grown to respect and adore him so mm-hmm. much, you know? Like, I started liking the movies that I had known from him because they were so different and just yeah. kind of fresh and creative. But, like, watching all of his movies or most of his movies, I think we missed some Ghibli movies, but the ones that are his... Um, it's like you kind of start to know him and it's so much respect and like I just love the way he treats people and children and everything I think that he's an amazing man and I wish that America had one of him to like speak to our children and you know, and, and he's thank goodness of a, we have these movies in English yeah. to be able to give them to our children. But like, it just makes me sad that Disney is what has taken over our children's movies, and they're beautiful and they're well animated and all of that. But like, the voice behind Disney is nothing like the voice behind Ghibli, and it's mm-hmm. kind of sad for us. No, yeah, I completely agree. It's probably I feel shaped like, us more than we know. Yeah, I feel like he's he's kind of a treasure. You know, like I think he's like a C.S. Lewis or a Ray Bradbury, like in my mind, those people who are Mm -hmm. like beautifully optimistic geniuses Mm -hmm. and use their genius in a way that is like so optimistic and kind and friendly and just I would completely agree with that, that like he he's almost like. He's he's an interesting like not to get all socially on it, but like Mm -hmm. I feel like C.S. Lewis is like I feel like he's someone who can make who valued friendship so much that he's I was just thinking about this the other day, thinking about C.S. Lewis, that he's someone who can make friendship as exciting as romance, Mm. like his descriptions of friendship and the relationships he creates. Like you read a story like that, and you're like, I don't need romance, right. you know. Like, you know, this is just as thrilling right. and wonderful as a romance. Because and, he sees like such beauty, yeah. and like, and knows not only sees it, but knows how to draw it out yeah. and encapsulate it yeah. where it touches people, and you're like, yeah. wow, like I you get need it. to it get you need you. this, yeah, and like it makes your day better, mm-hmm. you know. And I think, um, I think yeah, Miyazaki does something similar for children and for specifically like girls too. Yeah, he's, I think for I think, women is yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think his he has a special the way he treats uh, women 
and young girls mm-hmm. to old women and everything in throughout his films, I think is really special. It is. And yeah. and even um, Ponyo is one of my favorites because hmm. the way he treats little boys, hmm. like and in all of his movies, I, I know there's usually yeah. the main hero, hero is a girl, but usually yeah. the sidekick is a brave boy, you yeah. know, but even like in Ponyo, I just was thinking like to have a young boy given responsibility and yeah. shown to be kind and thoughtful and emotional, yeah. but brave and strong, like all wrapped up in one. And also the fact that he's a young boy, yeah. like empowering kids to be like, you can be five and you can be yeah. the hero. Like you don't have yeah. to, you know, but it it's feels, just so nice. It feels so genuine and uncalculated to yes. me. Like, I think that's the thing that bugs me about like, you know, I really like, you know, um, I like this trend that Disney's doing where it's not like the the heroine has to have like, you know, a romantic interest or yes. end up, you know, getting the prince in the end or whatever. I like that. Yeah. But it also feels very cynical and calculated. Oh, like, especially Frozen. We're like, Frozen. oh, we get it. Yeah. Exactly. She didn't save her. Or yeah, exactly. saved her, not a boy. It like, feels like, okay, now that this is like the social thing, mm-hmm. we can never show a girl being rescued by a man. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't have a damsel in distress. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and I get that. Yeah, that gets boring after a while and stuff, but it's also just feels so just like... Sort of missing the point. Yeah, calculated to check like the socially conscious box or whatever yeah. and not from any place of really like you know, actually, I don't know. It doesn't, it just feels calculated. And, and that's what I think is so uncynical about him is I just don't feel like it ever is that it just comes from a place of really, um, caring about characters, observing, not, not viewing people through different stereotypes Mm -hmm. of like empowered women or weak women, but just like, you know, I mean, it's clear that he observes people. That's huge. Yes. Like if you watch, you know, if you watch Totoro, you can see, oh, this is someone who has like observed how girls right. inter- little and girls watched little with each kids other. and watched little yeah. girls yeah. and seen the way they act. Yeah. And it's so it's so different than like, yeah. So, I mean, I just have like I, I love this man mm-hmm. and I just am so happy that he exists and has made movies that will forever be for kids and yeah. for adults. And so he was going to retire, but apparently he's coming out oh, of retirement. Huh. So this was going to be his last film, but we'll have to see if the what the uh, what the future holds. Yeah. I mean, these guys never stay in retirement. So. Right. I was watching an interview Except with him. Stinking Bill Watterson. I know he really stuck by. Well, he wrote a comic for Pearls Before Swine. I was like, yeah, so, like two like, strips, two strips in like twenty years. Which <laughs> is pretty. I mean, it's amazing he did that, but <laughs> it was so good. Um, yeah, but yeah, but, a lot of these people won't stand. Yeah, I mean, of course he's always creating, but yeah. to create for Ghibli again would be great. Yeah, like a film that we yeah. could get our hands on. So, so the wind rises. So yeah. this is so. Very different. This, this is, could not be more different than Ponyo. It's yes. uh So that is like the first thing to kind of like <clears throat> that. Um, so the story, you know, whereas Ponyo is this super fantastic, whimsical fairy tale. Mm-hmm. This is a historical story about a real historical person. I mean, a lot of liberties were taken with yes. his actual biography, but it's set in... Uh, Pre World War II Japan, yeah. and it's, in between the World Wars, I would think, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, it's this very kind of almost technical story about um, an airplane engineer. Jiro is that his name? Yeah, Jiro Hirosh- Hiroshi. Hiroshi. I can't. Hirokoshi. Horikoshi. Jiro Horikoshi, who's a who is the um, the 
engineer who designed the planes that bombed Pearl Harbor. Yeah. So very strange, you know, kind of character to pick, you know, as like a subject for your kind of final cartoon. It's kind of like you're like, are we really going to talk about this? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting, interesting subject. Okay, if anybody can, you can. Yeah. And, um, and it's so there's I mean, there's a few there's dream sequences that are fantastic in it. Yeah, but there's no fantasy in it. Um, and it's one of those films that's hard. It's like very a little bit ambiguous. You know, I feel like like what is he getting at here? It's like one of those oh. things you have to think about. I think like what you know, what is he trying to, to show here? And I think it's probably like a very, very personal film for him. It mm-hmm. almost feels like kind of him telling like dealing with like his story a little bit and just kind of, or the story of anyone who's creative maybe. Well, I had a, I felt not like I understood it, but to me it spoke very clearly to me, like in, in what he was trying to say. And I think also like watching all of his movies and kind of learn, kind of getting to know Mm -hmm. him over the last few months. Like I felt like this was his cumulative, like this is how I see people and how I see the world. And it was like, I think a really great like cap Mm. on his film. Interesting. Even though it was so different, it felt like it was just like the perfect bookend. Huh? Interesting. Okay. It definitely felt like a good, like a good send. Like it was an interesting film for him him to end. Like I'm retiring. Yeah. on this note, you know. Yeah. Um, so we can, we can kind of, I think well, the plot could go pretty quickly. Yeah. Very, the plot, it's, it's very episode, like yeah. just kind of almost random vignettes is yeah. kind of the way it goes. I mean, but like a major theme that continues to come up throughout the film is like this poem. I think it's from is yeah, the wind rises. We must survive. Or, uh, so we must live. So we must live. Or so we should live. Yeah. And this is something like the characters kind of repeat to themselves mm-hmm. throughout the film, but it opens with a young, uh, Jiro, um, Hirish, Hirokoshi, sorry. Don't try to get Horikoshi, Yanjiro Horikoshi, <laughs> um, as like a kid. Um, and he wants to be a pilot. Mm-hmm. He, he's dreaming of being a pilot, but he has terrible eyesight. Mm-hmm. He's very nearsighted. So he realizes that he can't be a pilot. And um, so he decides to be an airplane engineer. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, throughout, like, his first, it opens with him, like, kind of having this dream sequence of flying through the air. I mean, this definitely is kind of also really, you know, Miyazaki loves flying. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I wonder if there was a little bit of autobiography in that. And, yeah. like, he's not a pilot, but he loves yeah. flying. And yeah. he's used, like, his creativeness to just Be bring to flying airplane, to yeah. people and to, like, help other people fly mm-hmm. through his films. Like, yeah. Um, so I think he probably feels a connection to this real yeah. historical character in yeah. that way. Yeah, exactly. And so Jiro is, it's, it's interesting. So we, we were introduced to him. He's, um, he's a little bit geeky looking, you know, um, very intelligent, clearly, um, studious also, um, and this was one thing I watched, I've watched the English dub of this. Did mm. you watch the English dub? Um, 
Yes. Okay. I watched the English dub of this and I watched the subtitle. Okay. And I felt like the subtitle was way better for his character because oh. I felt like um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays yeah. does the voice in the English version and he's way too cool. He's very calm, cool, and collected. Yeah, he's way too cool. And, like, and the voice they cast was super important to them. Like that's one of the things that comes out in the documentary. They tried out tons of mm. people and they ended up with going with an animator. He's not a professional actor. Oh, you mean for the Japanese for the version? Japanese version oh. and he comes across much more nerdy um, okay. and less like suave less like together less together and not even like scattered but just much more dreamy you know mm-hmm. and less like a, a professional actor because yeah, he sounds and hot. it had a way different impression on me the um yeah he does not sound hot right. at all because he yeah. kind of has like almost as an adult like a tinge of arrogance in his voice yeah. where it's like such confidence no and not unlikable like I never didn't yeah. like him but just the voice is very like confident yeah the voice that Miyazaki went with is very dreamy hmm. almost you know just someone who's just like kind of head in the clouds hmm. um you know not you know just completely hmm. you know um very you could see that in yeah. his character. He's always in his own world. He uh-huh. doesn't really find like connection in his friendships, even kind of like yeah. in person. And yeah, huh. yeah. So, so this this young uh, Jiro um, is studying aeronautical engineering, and um, on his way, he takes a train trip. Um, to his college, he's returning to college, and they, they, we, we, cut, we cut from like where he's a young kid to now he's a young adult. A college student, and um, there's an earthquake, mm-hmm. um, which is a really amazing scene. Yeah, very the way they cool. Film it. He's on this train, and an earthquake happens. And one of the interesting touches with this film is they use a lot of human voices for sound effects. Hmm. So the earthquake, when it happens, is all voices oh, making all these weird noises, huh. and it's super creepy. Like it's super intense and um, has a really interesting effect huh. that um, yeah what if you if you want to watch like that scene again it's pretty yeah. amazing how they actually do it where they're going ah you know and yeah, like there's all this weird stuff that. in the background huh. you know um, and so this earthquake you know he, he, he causes this you know the train wrecks there's all these the Tokyo catches yeah. immediately on fire um, and he ends up rescuing this young girl and her nurse mm-hmm. Um, or and made. or made or like whatever, yeah, yeah, something like that. This young girl, and um, and saves her and brings her to her family. Mm-hmm. Then he just kind of wanders just off and goes off, yeah. goes back to his school. Um, and that was kind of a meaningful event. It seemed like for him, mm-hmm. um, but he never really got their name. They never really, you know, connected beyond him. He just kind of rescued mm-hmm. these people. He went back to try to find them, but the house, their house was completely burned down. And he mm-hmm. doesn't know where they went. So we cut forward, um, you know, to where he's graduated now and he gets his first job working for Mitsubishi. Yeah. Um, and the actual company, Mitsubishi. I know. When I was yeah. like, oh, Mitsubishi. There's a, a name yeah. I know. Um, 
And um, they are working for the Japanese army mm-hmm. um, or the Navy, actually, I believe, mm-hmm. um, um, designing They're fighter trying planes. trying to get planes that can come over and boat. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the interesting thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's done in a way that he's clearly, he just loves planes and this movie loves planes. You know, it's constantly in his imagination, this struggle to build. And it's the beauty of the plane. Yeah. The beauty of flight. And what holds yeah. them up is like, we have to put bombs on these planes, like, and that we have to make them stronger and yeah. it's like taking away from from the beauty of his work. Like. Yeah. There's a scene where he has these, there's another um, aeronautical engineer. Uh, what is the, the, the guy's name? name? Giovanni Caproni. Oh yeah. The Italian guy. This Italian guy mm-hmm. who he, who's kind of his inspiration, who's mm-hmm. an Italian plane designer and he'll meet with him in his dreams. Mm-hmm. And at one point they have this conversation where he asks him, um, he's like, would you choose a world without the pyramids? Yeah. It's like the pyramids, you know, the pyramids were built by slaves, you know, and caused... Well, he doesn't even say that. He just yeah. leaves it. Yeah. I mean, and you, you realize that and he's like, like... Oh, I get it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The, you know, the, the pyramids were built through suffering mm-hmm. and stuff that we would like say this and is totally wrong. they're full of dead bodies. Yeah. Like, it's... They're full of death. Yeah. And... But yeah. would you choose the pyramids not to exist? Yeah. You know, is what he's asking. He says, I would choose the pyramids. I would choose Because, the I mean, it's it's like a perfect metaphor for yeah. the movie, obviously. But. Yeah. And that's something that, that they're they're realizing, like, oh, yeah, we're building things to well, bomb Pearl Harbor right. is eventually what but happens. For war and death. For war and, and death. And also the fact that they're sending those pilots up to die. Yeah. Like, I think they feel this, the weight of that also, that, like, yeah. we're sending people off to but die I don't think, in our planes. I don't think they really do. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people had problems with this movie, like, mm-hmm. criticized it because they felt like it was really whitewashing like what was going on there, you know, that we're kind of just giving, yeah, whitewashing this like whole situation. Like was ever bad. They yeah, were all good. Like these, but I do think, I think, I think that's the wrong, I don't think it's whitewashing it. It's just kind of showing the mentality of the people, mm-hmm. you know, of like, they, they choose not to think about that mm-hmm. really, like what they're going to do in, at, at numerous points. And it's interesting because kind of one of the repeated struggles they're having is that Japan is behind, mm-hmm. you know? So this is another thing of Japan is way technologically behind. Yeah, yeah. They don't have, you know, uh, technologically they're way behind America. They're behind all their enemies. Germany, their yeah. allies. So they're enemies. allying with Germany and that's another, these are Nazis mm-hmm. that they're working with. And, they they end up getting to go to Germany, mm-hmm. you know, Nazi Germany, and um, looking at their planes because Germans are typically very good engineers. <laughs> so right. I've heard. And you they know. were and they were allies, so they're like, you can look at what yeah. we're doing to. Yeah, help they're you. sharing secrets mm-hmm. with each other and stuff of how to build these planes. Right. So it's interesting, you know, they go over to Nazi Germany and they're just fascinated with these planes, mm-hmm. you know, and they're just examining these planes. And there's a few scenes of where the, I think the SS are chasing down a guy and they just kind of go like, huh, what's going on there? You know, and it's this scene that just kind of happens off on the side where this, it's clear that, you know, this Mm -hmm. person's trying to escape them. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and they don't really react, Mm -hmm. you know, to, to these things that we all know now are these horrific things going on or, you know, beneath the surface, Mm -hmm. but they're just interested in building planes. Um, And that's their, that's, you know, Giro's passion is mm-hmm. he just loves the, you know, it's just, it consumes him this like, you know, beauty of flight. Right. And, um, so he has, he, he designs a fighter. It's like the first all metal fight fighter. Yeah. He, this first all metal fighter and it fails. 
Oh yeah. The first yeah. one. Fails. The first one fails. Yeah. yeah. And so he goes to kind of like, I think, I think it's just to kind of like get like, you know, recharge. After no, actually this. that's the one that it, it makes it. And then he goes to have a vacation. No, it doesn't because remember it shows it failing and shows it crashing. I assumed that that was what was implied. It shows goes, it. It shows it taking off, and then he. It shows him up and out in the country, oh, and it shows it, it crashing it, and it just oh, all destroyed. I thought that was in his imagination. Oh, it could be. I, I assumed I it wasn't. I thought he like because it shows it land, and everyone's like, "Yeah, you did it." And then it cuts to him being on vacation. So I was like, "Oh, he got like a." It doesn't well, show it land though. I it doesn't. Think. I no. thought it did. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. Really Either way. Matter. I'm not sure why. Anyway, he's on vacation yeah. in, in the Kinda countryside. Like a respite. Yeah. Like. Off in the, in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And um, he meets this girl um, who they, they pretty quickly realize that this is the girl he rescued on the train. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to say probably like 10 years ago, 10 years ago yeah. or something like that. Um, and she's grown into a young woman, and um, it's kind of love at first sight. Mm-hmm. You know, they sweet. yeah, they they fall in love, and um, you know, she's always been wanting to find him, this young man who you know rescued her when she was a girl, and um, you know, it's like he's just kind of immediately smitten with her, and again, they're they're have they, so they have this kind of beautiful summer romance, it's like a little montage, yeah, it's very sweet. She's kind of sickly, yeah. is is what happens, but. Um, and they also make this friend who's a German. Yeah. Up kind of up at the up at this vacation this hotel they're staying in the country, who um, I believe he's a German Jew. Is oh, I think he's Jewish. Okay. Um, and yeah. so I think if you look at his name, I forget what it is, but it's like a Jewish name. Oh, okay. And so he's kind of dropping. He's this guy who's just enjoying life, but you can tell he's kind of living he's under saying, a like, sentence. Yeah, like, and yeah. he said Germany's in trouble. Yeah. And like. Yeah, he makes he's he's he knows what's going on yeah. that this terrible war is coming, and that he's probably going to be on the list of people yeah. he actually and he flees at yeah. the end of this he just disappears one day mm-hmm. and they just see him driving off um but at the end of this whole kind of romance that happens over the summer they uh, a couple things come out is that it, she confesses to him that she has tuberculosis her mother died of tuberculosis she contracted it from her mother and um in that she want, but she wants to get better mm-hmm. and he wants, he proposes to her and they get, they're engaged yeah. at the end of this. Um, so they, um, they're now engaged. She's trying to recover so she can be married to him and he goes back to work mm-hmm. essentially. Um, and what the, uh, over the course of this time, he's now designing, trying to, and this is why I thought the last one crashed because he's really trying like to redesigning. redesign the, the metal fighter, this, yeah. des- this, uh, this jet that will like kind of bring like, cause Jan- Japan up until this point can only really design like bombers. Mm-hmm. They can't, it does it seems like they can't really design high performing aircraft, mm-hmm. you know, that could have like a dog fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're trying to, you know, get Japan caught up with the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so he's working really intensely on this design, and um, his uh, fiance, what is her name? It's like Nakodu or no. is it Nakadu? Nakadu? Let's see, Naoku's Naoku 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 N A O K O Naoko Naoko Naoko. We apologize. Um, 
she uh, she's starting to get worse. She's yeah. not recovering. Um, kind of an intense scene where she has a lung lung hemorrhage. Yeah, yeah. Like and it's shows just like a it. like brief flash of yeah. super bloody. Yeah, um, and. So she de- she decides I'm probably going to die. Yeah, yeah I, we're going to get married yeah. no matter what. So she goes to him and they get married. And it's a very it's like sweet, a really scene. beautiful scene. And yeah. that's another thing I love about his movies is how you see the culture. Yeah, and it's like you see their yeah. marriage and what maybe a wedding kind of looks like. Yeah. In Japan, I thought that was super interesting, which was so different yeah. and mm-hmm. really just, um, I love the peek into their culture that mm. you get, you know? And yeah. And everyone's telling them like, you know, this isn't going to end well. She's yeah. going to die. You they're know, kind of like, yep. We yeah. Know. We're going to get married anyway. We're going to do this. Um, so they get married. Um, and, uh, she, you know, he's finishing working to finish this, this plane at the same time being a new husband. Um, and, um, and her health is kind of continually deteriorating. And, um, as it ends up, it is, it ends, he finishes the plane Yeah, and it's it's a success. It's a huge success. It's, you know, the best plane that Japan has ever designed. She, at the same time leaves him basically to go die Mm -hmm. is kind of the way it seems. One day, like the day he leaves to go test the plane, she also leaves. Which apparently isn't historically accurate. It's not historically accurate. Yeah, so His wife did not have take, tuberculosis. Yeah. yeah, this was a total Kind liberty. of taking a little liberty there. Yeah. The facts are there. The yeah. story is just yeah. more romantic yeah. sized. Yeah, so she runs off to go die. She doesn't want him to see her dying, mm-hmm. basically, and leaves him. And that's kind of how it ends. And it's a really interesting scene because, like, the plane is a huge success. Everyone's cheering him. And then there's just this moment of where... I think that's him kind of like this moment of realization of like something's wrong or not or just like he kind of realizes like what he's done a little bit I think is is what that implies of like this massive success means widespread death and destruction yeah can go bomb people yeah exactly keep saying like who are they gonna bomb and they're like I guess the Americans and Europe and they kind of just like shove it to the side yeah it's continually like hey look we have to strap bomb and and at one point uh, Jiro is in trouble with the secret police too. So yeah. It's kind of like, you know, he's kind of just doing what he has to do yeah. in a way. Like, you know, it's not really a safe place for him in Japan yeah. either. So, you know, they kind of show like, he, he, this is what he has to do. Yeah. You know? And yeah, exactly. He probably would have had to design no matter what, yeah. do a good job no matter what, even if he hadn't wanted to. Um, yeah. So he, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so there's this moment where he has the success, and then I think it, and I don't know. It's the interesting thing is it cuts forward, it, it changes the scene to, I have no idea destruction. Yeah, this this scene of it's interesting because it, it opens with this shot of these planes, these beautiful planes flying high above these clouds, and then it cut pans down to like this all this destruction beneath them, like the, almost like a burial ground where it's just like they're all crashed together, but yeah. then also there's like. Yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that was actually the shot after that. Yeah. So it's like showing like Japan just being decimated yeah. by these bombers, yeah. you know, in these planes. And then it cuts to, and we don't know. And this is the in- interesting part. So this ending thing is happening in his mind. It's like right. a dream he's having. Right. So it could be 60 years later. It could be, you know, mm-hmm. one year later. You don't really know. It's after the war. Um, but what 
what this was originally, what the original story was that he was, this was actually him, he was going to kill himself oh. in this, in this, at the end. Mm. And Miyazaki changed that the last minute mm. and he wanted him to live. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this, this could be happening as an old man. I mean, you don't really know, but he, you know, he's when he's where, at what point in his life he's imagining this, mm-hmm. but it's after the war and he's walking, it's him walking through this, just all these planes that are just totally destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, and very similar to Porco Rosso, I think mm-hmm. this one scene where he kind of looks up and the sky is full of all these countless planes. Mm-hmm. These pilots go by him and they're, you know, flying, um, you know, and these are all pilots that have gone to die, you know. And did they say we didn't build them so they could come back or yeah. something like that? He does you know? say that. Yeah. Um, so, and he meets his old, his old kind of, not his mentor, but his inspiration, yeah. like a prony. Caproni, the, the yeah. Italian plane design. And they just have this conversation of, you know, um, it was, it was like a beautiful dream. He mm-hmm. says, you know, you know, it's, uh. He, there's a there's a lot of little interesting things that they say. It's like he's like you know artists only have ten years right. of creative output, then you're done. Did you use your ten years well? Did you use your ten years live well? Live in that ten years. Yeah, and- yeah. Um, and you're saying you know it was you know it was kind of terrible the result, but it was a beautiful dream or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he has this vision of his wife mm-hmm. who tells him that she wants him to live. Yeah, you know, which is an interesting. Which I think is why he was contemplating killing himself in that point. Mm. It's like this moment of where he's like... What did I do? Or I think it was... He was just... It was like a moment of grace for him, huh. you know, where he was... Because he says, like, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, he starts crying. Like, mm-hmm. that I think it's him kind of real dealing with the aftermath of what his dream caused. Yeah. You know, all this, this terrible and destruction. And, like, how awful to do something that you find so beautiful and then someone yeah. like uses it as a weapon for destruction. Yeah, and I think I think if and that's the end of the film yeah. basically is him walking off. And apparently the real guy lived until his 70s yeah. and died of just, you know, sickness age, yeah. and pneumonia or something. So, yeah. So, I mean, it, the, I think the point of the film, though, is kind of dealing with, you know, these these dreams that you can have, you know, and kind of the strange results or the, the unintended results that can come from him. So here was this guy who was a dreamer. He was this creative, you know, artist, you know, who was one of the best at what he did. Um but it had, you know, both of his dreams were kind of doomed. You mm-hmm. know, they were both doomed dreams. Like his wife was a doomed mm-hmm. relationship, was doomed to die, you know, and his his dream of building these beautiful planes was doomed, doomed to, to be yeah, yeah, to be something terrible, you know. Um, so it's in that part I think it is a very kind of consistent message, but it's one of those things after you watch it, it's not like rubbed in your face right. or anything like that. Right. Um and almost, I think, you know, with the repeated theme of the wind rising, we must live yeah. or whatever is kind of just about people trying to live, I think is like the wind rising being just like the world going crazy and all these mm-hmm. events spiraling out of control and just struggling to live through that and mm. to like find, you know, a way to create things through that, you know, hmm. um, but I don't know. I'm interested to hear what you took from it because well, I think it's. I think I was centered on Miyazaki okay. and his um, 
kind of what he was saying and who he is. Mm -hmm. And so I've heard him say he's a humanist, Mm -hmm. uh, which um, I've been kind of interacting with lately because I've been listening to a podcast with the two people are humanists Mm -hmm. on it. So I've just kind of been like, that's been kind of in my face Mm -hmm. lately. But um, so I have the definition of a humanist is um, an outlook or system of thought attaching prime importance to the human rather than divine or supernatural matters. So I think they're usually atheists, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, Humanists. could be a Christian or a Yeah, a humanist. There's different I guess you could, yeah, yeah, have be a humanist, Mm -hmm. but um, choose a religion as well um but some people have this as their religion Mm -hmm. and don't believe in god but Mm -hmm. say i'm a humanist um humanist beliefs stress the potential value and goodness of human beings emphasize common human needs and seek solely rational ways of solving human problems um so what i think Miyazaki and a part of what I just totally appreciate about Mm -hmm. him is finding like the goodness. And so he takes something um, Hmm. like World War Two, which is like just epically and been blown up. Like so, we know the horrors. I mean, I'm sure all wars are horrible, but we just know the details of how horrible this war was. and made it beautiful by like micro zooming in on one person mm-hmm. and one person that was actually caused a lot of destruction. Like yeah. you can trace it back to sure. Hero and be like, yeah. if you had never made this plane, we yeah. would never have gotten in the war. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, like all of these Americans would yeah. be, you know, but instead but of find, making a story about him, making the story about him, you're like, yeah. well, he was a human being yeah. and he was doing our best. As, yeah. You know, Jane says, but he was just kind of doing what, what, what he thought he had to yeah. do and what was beautiful to him. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that there's evil in the world and evil human beings mm-hmm. used it for bad things doesn't mean that he is evil. Yeah. And so I wanted to think, um, okay, who is our American Hayao Miyazaki. We have hmm. Kurt Vonnegut, who oh. wrote Kratz, Cat's Cradle, which is a fictional story about the guy who created the atom bomb. Oh, okay. And you read Cat's Cradle and you're like, well, I'm just going to go die now because <laughs> the whole point of Cat's Cradle is there is no meaning to anything uh-huh. and everything's meaningless. Yeah, yeah. And the, the man who built the atom bomb um, when Japan is being bombed is playing cat's cradle okay. and he says, Oh, see the cat, see the cradle. And yeah. you're like, no, there's nothing there. Uh, like the yeah. point of the book is like, there's nothing there huh. and it's just, everything is an illusion yeah, and yeah. it's depressing. <laughs> and Kurt Vonnegut is to me the anti, um, Ray Bradbury oh, and, and, Bradbury. and because to me, like, I don't know yeah. why I associate them. I read them both in high school. Okay. So like, I'm always like Kurt Vonnegut is like never read the evil Kurt genius okay. and Ray Bradbury is the beautiful good genius <laughs> yeah. okay. and they both use their powers to write books uh, that are great books but one is like there's light and the other is yeah. like well let's all kill ourselves yeah so um so i thought like to see like the way somebody like miyazaki to humanize of someone who you could easily dehumanize demonize, as a, yes. yeah demonize yeah um, yeah. treats and chooses to see the beauty like he yeah. chose to make a movie about yeah. the man who caused death but mm-hmm. he chose to say like look at that there's still beauty yeah. like and f- see it's okay there's still good like yeah. find that and um so i thought that yeah. that was just like to me no, like beautiful this like is that, yeah. who miyazaki is and yeah. this is why we have to be grateful for people like him because you can have a Kurt vonnegut mm-hmm. or you can have a miyazaki huh. and like 
you know, where do you want to like focus your attention? Yeah, Ross, I haven't even thought of that. That's a really, that's a really insightful. I, I, I didn't, I didn't pull that out, but as you've said that, I really see that. Yes, that's, thank you. That's, that, that changes uh, even like my thoughts on this from a lot. <laughs> um, and then the other thoughts I had, let's see. Um, I think also Miyazaki is big, like we talked about at the beginning of mm. the film. Um, he chooses a weak weakness to be strong mm-hmm. like he chooses a woman to mm-hmm. be his hero which yeah. let's admit it like people you know okay we're not as strong physically like we don't you know i'm just gonna say it. i can say it i'm a woman like <laughs> we are not strong in the same ways and That's he chooses extremely controversial <laughs> <laughs> and now, how dare you <laughs> he chooses to use weakness to be strong yeah and i think he did that with jiro like mm-hmm. he here's jiro he can't see so he's yeah. like here's my weakness i'm gonna be strong mm-hmm. in somewhere else and my weakness actually made his weakness made him stronger. Like yeah. he became, he was a genius in his field because he couldn't, yeah. he was weak in another way. And I think that he, Miyazaki chooses to do that with his characters in like, I'm going to make my hero five-year-old. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make my hero a seven-year-old girl, mm-hmm. like, and shows how strong and good somebody can be in mm-hmm. that. Um, so I think that that was another thing from this movie. Hmm. Um, and then the last thing about this movie that to me is just epitome of Miyazaki is um, once again his attention to detail. Yeah. And um, like I don't I don't know why this movie it hit me so many times, but like there was a couple scenes that I was just like yes because mm-hmm. the scene when he rescues um, his wife as a yeah. little girl they are running through J- Tokyo as it's yeah. burning and there's masses of crowds yeah. and he's trying to get her home and they're running through the crowds and he reaches back and holds her hand yeah. and they're like totally being buffeted but they're holding hands through this crowd mm-hmm. and I was like the times that has happened to me in my life I can remember huh. and like there's been times and it's one of my absolute favorite things when mm. it happens like and I, and it sounds stupid but like I've been in really crowded bars and my girlfriend will reach back and grab my Aww. hand. And I'm like, there's so much comfort in that where it's like, I got you yeah. and it's really, really crowded and there's yeah. creepy guys everywhere, but like <laughs> we're together in this. Yeah. And like, and it's one of huh. those, and it's also a time where you can show affection without being like, yeah. oh, maybe she thinks I'm gay because I'm holding her hand. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, which, which our society is so messed up. Like yeah. you actually have to think about that stuff. Yeah. But like, there's this safety and like we're holding hands because mm-hmm. we're going to stay together. Yeah. and like safety in this friendship and yeah. I was like I and I, as a little kid that's happened to me I remember like mm. being um, in really crowded places and just like you just have someone's hand mm-hmm. and it's like so comforting mm. um, and then the other thing that was big in this movie um Okay, well, one, the sleeping baby on the back of that little girl. The little girl has a baby strapped to her back, and it has, mm. it's the little poor, it's the poor little girl. Oh, um, yeah. And it's just like a very short scene. It just yeah. is showing Tokyo is really poor, and they're yeah. spending their money on building weapons instead yeah. of feeding people. But, um, it's like the attention to a sleeping baby mm-hmm. and what it looks like, and yeah. like just kind of like, bringing it back to like these are like humans and this is mm-hmm. i don't i love it um uh, yeah getting back to the humanist thing i think that is one thing that he's he's you know he never does caricatures of people no to the point that his people are sometimes ugly you know what i mean mm-hmm. like in ways yeah, of, they're not like super they're not attractive. super idealized yeah. or super cartoony mm-hmm. either 
you know. Because um, they're not anime looking. Yeah. They're very simple. Yeah. And they yeah. all have brown eyes, like, because mm-hmm. you know, they're Japanese. And But but the, the thing that makes them distinct is the, yeah, the movements, the mm-hmm. small details, the things that are way more subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, and you can see how old they are by how they move and mm-hmm. how, like, they, yeah how they deal with stuff. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I just had to bring out, because it was, like, his attention to detail is when him and his buddy are looking at a plane and Uh they climb up onto that ladder together. Yeah. And I love that part because they like are two men and they're they're like holding each other and like grabbing each other because they're trying to get into this plane. And I was like, I love in life when you have those experiences where like you're kind of like you're forced to be close to someone. Yes, exactly. Like, and I get it at work as a nurse where like you like realize like we're like in the trenches together yeah. and like you have this sense of it's just a good feeling I to so, be like that with somebody I so know what you're right and it's it's so hard to yes. get those I mean it's hard it's for very hard it's hard for me yeah. because I'm a person who like you know does not like physical contact <laughs> with people that I don't know very right. well you know I mean I have a very limited amount of people that I want to have close physical that contact with that I touch <laughs> But I, I, there are times, you know, maybe like I, the last time I can think of it was when for my company, we were doing like this big mm-hmm. series of presentations with all these. It was a, this this uh, program we were going through. where We had all been working for like two months mm-hmm. every single day on these presentations together. Then we had a big event where like we were all like we all had to go in front of all these investors mm-hmm. and pitch it and stuff like that. And at like through the whole thing, like everyone was hugging yeah. and like just like so stoked that this was all this hard work was over. And like, you know, and it was like, it's like, that's, that hardly ever happens. But when it does, it's like such a wonderful thing. Right. It is. And it's, it's like when you're, it's when you're so distracted by something, but something is also bringing you together and like not only an emotional, but a physical way. Like there's few times when that happens and when it does happen, it's like, you just, it's a really special feeling. And like to me, Miyazaki, like in 10 seconds, he caught that in these two engineers who were excited about this plane and had to be on a ladder together. And like kind of grappling with yeah. each other. and they don't touch any other times in the movie yeah. and yeah. it's like to see like those moments that he uh, can pull out is just he is a gem and yeah. I don't know how he does it because it's yeah. stuff that like I would never think about those things until he shows me like remember yeah. when someone grabs your hand in a crowded place to keep you near them and you're yeah. like yes I do remember that and it huh. means a lot to me like yeah. when I think of it so huh. um, yeah it's all those very real little yeah, moments that just that... like fill it with such beauty um, yeah and shows that like I'm here for people like mm-hmm. to give them like something and to give them beauty and mm-hmm. like to be there for them you know um yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, it's those little, it's with him. It's always like the quiet moments that are like so impactful, mm-hmm. which is a really amazing to be able to do that, to be able to do that's that. So skilled. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's never like stuff that's just like hammered home with music cues and, you know, slow-mo mm-hmm. or, but it's all these little like quiet, subtle things that are mm-hmm. so human. But that's so why he real. doesn't really need an evil bad guy because yeah. He's like, there isn't usually an evil bad guy in somebody's life. Like there's just a lot of like somebody who compromises or somebody who, you know, is selfish. Like, um, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't need that. Yeah. I think of, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. Nice. I had a sure. couple quotes from him real quick. If Go I can for just, it. I was do. watching interviews with him um, and he, someone asked him like why he chose to make this movie. Mm-hmm. And he said, Jiro and Tatsu, who um, I believe was the person who wrote the, like wrote the story of Jiro. But mm-hmm. um, he says they lived in an era when no one foresaw the future. And I think we must live proud like they did. So mm-hmm. to say like, we don't know necessarily, like you said, like mm-hmm. what is going to happen or mm-hmm. what destruction, like, you know, mm-hmm. how something's going to be twisted, but yeah. to live proud in what you do, like, yeah. and to, to be like, have a strong conviction mm-hmm. and to do it in yeah. a way that you're proud of. Yeah. Um, I liked that a lot. And then, um, kind of to end off my thought of him a little bit, I have a quote, um, that to me is just like why we need Miyazaki in our okay. lives. Um, he says this is a quote. He was when Hayami or when Princess Mononoke came out, yeah. and he people were saying it's a little bit darker than your yeah. other films. And he said um, we've made many films that encourage children to be bright and hopeful. We've been making films to cheer them up and support them, but given the reality they encounter, that support isn't enough. They instinctively understand the problems. Where is the world headed? Are human beings doing the right thing? Unless we address these problems directly, our encouragement is useless because we're not addressing the real issues. Mm. So even though we had to step outside of the boundaries of entertainment, we had to make this movie or forfeit the right to make any more. So, you know, I think that The Wind Rises is a little bit like that as well, where he wanted to say something and... Mm -hmm. um, it, it was like his conviction to yeah. show like in in destruction in bad times like they're still good. find the beauty yeah. find yeah. the human and yeah you know, no yeah yeah and I think yeah um very very good to very good place to end it so yeah. thank you Hayao Miyazaki for yeah. this I think it's you know his his films have certainly you know made my life richer. Yeah, um, they're very special to me. It's been a fun. And it's just so nice to like have something for children that it's like we have a choice now. You know, mm-hmm. if you want to give your kids poopiness <laughs> that is really pretty on the outside, like a candy dipped piece of poop, <laughs> you can give it to them. That's fine. Yeah. Like nobody's gonna judge you. I'm not gonna judge you. But if you want to give them something that is just good, good throughout, that is going to cheer them up them. and support yeah. them and and encourage them, yeah. you have something for them. Yes. You know? So here, here. Yes. we've got These, it. Uh, I mean, you could really, I mean, the interesting thing is like you could do this with a lot of Ghibli films too. Like there's, there's certain Ghibli films that, you know, we haven't covered. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think he was kind of the standard bearer for that. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Rosalind. Thank it's you. Fun. That was very fun. All right. I guess it's it's time. We'll, we will pause this yeah. and then happen to the Our recap. I think we owe a lot to that cat. Hi. Your little kid is right on it. Right on Right on it. Thank <laughs> you.